Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Good morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord together with everybody this morning. Um, so I just want everybody to rise up on their feet. We're going to confess this before listening to the word of God today. So it starts like this. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruit in me. Hallelujah, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you because we're two or three are gathered in your name, God. You are right there in our midst and we know that you're here, God. And thank you also because that when we have gathered in your presence, Lord, you always have something to impart on us, God. And we are expectant of your word for each and every one of us today. And I thank you, God, because you are the one who builds your church. You are the one who grows us spiritually. So, Lord, I thank you because the words that I will speak will be inspired by you this morning. And that in all things that we do today, that Jesus will be exalted, Jesus will be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have our seats. Okay. So, God impressed it on my heart to teach this topic that we're about to hear again. Um, I'm calling it the power of the tongue extended version. The power of the tongue extended version. You know, he, he said to me that some people still haven't gotten it. It's like we've heard it and it just went over our heads and we've kept on moving with our lives. So today we'll revisit this topic again not only for my benefit, but for yours as well, because, you know, we know that in this journey that we are on, this faith journey, it is important that we grow spiritually. And this is part of it. Um, Pastor Chinedu was, uh, talked to me a couple, I think a couple weeks ago when I preached this, this the first time, he said that if, if people can really tame their tongue, if Christians can really tame their tongues, half of their problems is already dealt with, you know? And that, that made an impression on me because it's really true. And I'm so glad that the choir sang all these songs because it's just agreeing with what God has already said. It is so, amen, and amen, 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 amen. It is so, it is so. What God has said, it is so. It's not about what I'm feeling. It's not about what I think. It's what God said, it is so. So I'm going to speak it from my mouth. For a Christian, it is important that we mature because it determines how stable we are in our lives and whether we walk in victory or not. See, um, we can no longer be children anymore um, who are tossed here and there. The Bible talks about it, like being moved by so many doctrines, different things that are not biblical. We're, we're no longer children. We ought to mature. You know, and, and we can't allow the enemy to take advantage of us any longer. 
His time is over. It's time for us to rise. It really is. See, um, a part of the body that often shows that we are immature in our faith is the tongue. What comes out of your tongue can show either whether you have matured or you're immature. What comes out of our mouth is really important. God desires that we mature in our faith. That's why he has placed pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists, all of those things. And their responsibility is to equip the people of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God has pl placed all of these wonderful teachers, pastors, every, everybody he has given an office, he has placed them so that they can equip us that we'll be able to stand on, on our own two feet. We have received so many good teachings here in this church that we ought to revisit. Because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear it over and over again until it grows deep roots in you. So if someone is making you dependent on them, saying that you have to come to me for prayer, you have to do this, you have to do that, it's only me, on, you're not going to get to God, distance yourself from them. That person is not, you know, doesn't care about your best interest, doesn't have your best interest at heart. Because again, God wants us to be able to stand on our own two feet. What a pastor can do, you can do, you're a child of God too. So we, we ought to be able to stand and mature. And this is just a preamble. This is not even my topic, but I wanted to say this. Um, by God's grace, he will lead me to say everything that he has for, um, for us today. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, God's purpose in all of this, God's purpose in sharing the gospel, you know, to us and bringing us into his family is really to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When I read this verse, the questions that came into my head were, is the church displaying the wisdom of God or are we acting powerless? Are we still asleep? Are we still sleeping? What are the rulers and authorities in the unseen world seen from the church? What testimony is our life sharing with the physical and unseen world? Because everybody's life is sharing a testimony, whether it's with the words that you speak or your actions, you're sharing a testimony. So what is going out there? What, what are people seeing? What are they taking from our life? What is the enemy seeing? What is he saying about you? What is the testimony that he has about you? Is it that, no, that's a child of God who knows who they are? Or is it that, oh, we can't do anything with that one? Are we acting powerless as children of God, 
we ought not to do that. I will recommend that we go back and listen to the series on growing, uh, growing spiritually that our Pastor Chinedu has been teaching here. It's so important because this, this tongue issue is part of growing spiritually. It's part of it. But we, we ought to go back and listen to it over and over again so that, again, it will sink down, that we will understand it. So my goal today is that by God's grace, we'll, um, you know, from what I say today, we'll understand the importance of the words we speak and its impact in shaping our lives and environments. No more of this self-centered life living is me, myself, and I. No more. We often say, don't get in my space, I'm just doing me. No, you're not just doing you because you affects everybody else. <laughs> Right? Not, it doesn't only impact you, but it impacts everybody else around you and also the generations to come. We have to think long term, no more short sightedness. So, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Two things death and life are all here. Death and life are all in your tongue. If you love to talk, you will eat the fruit of talking. It could either be good fruit or bad fruit, right? Depending on what you're saying. So when I was young, um, anyone who was overly talkative you know, I'm going back to Nigeria <laughs> for all of us here. We'll say you're talking cho 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 cho, like everything you're always talking, everything you want to just say, right? That type of person will jump into any and all conversations, whether they are part of it or not. And in, the, in, in doing that, they end up saying something they ought not to say just because they don't have control over their tongue. And I'm not just addressing those who talk, you know, all the time. They want to say something. But I'm also addressing those who say things out of anger. You don't have control over your anger. You, you, like, once you're angry, you have to say everything. Everything that comes to your mind, you just say. There's no control. I'm also addressing those who constantly nag and complain. You always see something negative about every situation. Nobody will come to you and you say something good. That ought not to be. And then I'm also addressing those people who like to crack jokes that don't build people up. We, are, we all were there at one point, right? We all did these things at one point. But now God is talking to us to correct it. So, many times, it's just wise that we will just keep quiet because you will certainly reap the fruits of what you say. The words you speak out of your mouth are building blocks for the house you want to live in. You're not just saying, it's not just words that you throw around. You're actually building a house. 
And I, I think there's a, a proverb that you, you lay your, uh, you made your bed, you lay in it, right? Yes, you, you lie on the bed you've made. That's the same thing with words. You speak it, at the end of it, you will reap the fruits of what you've spoken. So your tongue determines, again, whether you have victory or not, whether your household is in shambles or is it prospering. It determines the course of your life. I once heard a sermon where it said, words shape worlds. Words shape worlds, right? It's, it's also, um, you know, talking about the house. What, what house are you building? What world are you creating with the words that you speak? It's important that we reflect. Sometimes we, we just live life and we just keep going, but we don't take time to reflect and say, God, what I'm doing, how I'm living, is it really honoring you? Does it really please you? Am I in alignment with your word? We ought to reflect as a Christian. That's how we grow. That's how you make changes and correct and you grow. So... Why are words important? Words are, are powerful. God knows it. The enemy also knows it. Sometimes it just seems that it's us that don't know it. Both God and the enemy are vying for you to be in, in their camp. Just like Galatians says, the spirit and the flesh are in constant battle, wanting to do the exact opposite of each other. It's the same here with words. A, a believer's spirit desires to speak the words of God, but then also on this side, the flesh wants to do the exact opposite. So you, child of God, you have to put your flesh under control. We can destroy our lives with the words that we speak, or we can bring life and prosperity also through our words. The kingdom of God is saturated by words, and those words carry power. They are intentional words for the purpose of creating or shutting down things contrary to the kingdom of God. So God is very intentional with the words that he speaks. He just doesn't throw his words anyhow. If you look through the Bible, you see how God orchestrated the story from Genesis to Revelation. And those words he spoke at the beginning they were intentional for something he wanted to do in the future. There, there's never a word that God has spoken that were not necessary. They were all necessary. So we were created by words and the heavens and the earth were formed by words. So therefore our words can either glorify God or glorify the enemy. So we have to decide which camp we want to choose to be in. So today that the Lord has made, today is the day that the Lord has made to deliver us from speaking negatively. Right? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that we have to consider is that we have to watch our mouths. Watch your mouth. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 3 says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who puts a gate over his mouth guards his life. Right? You preserve your life 
by watching what you allow out of your mouth. We're going to read a story about the Israelites. They are good examples for us because we can learn some things from them for our spiritual walk. So the Israelites, um, this is during the time that God gave them an instruction to go uh, to Canaan and examine the land. And they went. So let, let's just read it and we'll talk about it a little bit. So Numbers chapter 13 verse 2 says, this is what God said to the Israelites, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So the first thing is, is that God said, send men to spy out the, the land. That was an instruction from the Lord. And then he said, this land is the land which I am given to the children of Israel. That's a promise from the Lord. He gave an instruction, then he gave a promise. He said, I'm giving you this land. Go and spy out the land. They're spying out the land really wasn't to tell God that he couldn't really do it, that he couldn't give it to them. God wanted to send them there so that they can see what he was about to give them. Right? He wanted them to examine the land, the fruitfulness of the land, the good things that were coming out of the land, and to see his blessing. And for us in this life, we ought to see the blessings of God. When God tells us something, we ought to like, visualize it and see it as true, as this is so. Like we, we sang this morning, this is so, this is it, amen. Yes, Lord. So in Numbers 13, verse 17 to 33, it says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or whether the cities they inhabit, uh, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell is, in, is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage. So I looked up what does be of good courage mean, right? The definition there is, it says, trust in the Lord as our true source of strength, bold, being bold and confident. Trust in the Lord. So Moses was essentially telling them, go and do this, trust in the Lord as your true source of strength. Not on your own power, because whatever God tells us to do is never in our own power. We can't do it. It's him that will accomplish it. So it says, be of good courage and bring some, fruit of the, uh, some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spy out, spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahima and all of these places, the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And see what happened. They carried it between two of them on a pole. One cluster of grape. In today's world, one cluster of grape, we can hold it in our palm. But back then, they, they had to use two people to just carry the grapes. Can you imagine the land that God was giving them is full of blessings, fruitfulness, 
amazing things. But we'll see their response after. So they, they had to carry two, um, two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place were called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came to, uh, to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word. They brought backward, what is that word? Their testimony, right? So they brought backward to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So at the beginning, they started off with a good report, right? We went to the land. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit that we brought back. Now, look at what they said. They said, nevertheless. When you say nevertheless, it means forget what I said before. <laughs> Don't even think about what I said before. This is what really matters. So they said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, they kept naming all of them, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of Jordan. Let's bring it back to today's world. What do we do? We say, yes, God has healed me, but... Don't we do that? So forget that God has healed me, but this is what really matters. <laughs> what I'm about to say after is the main domain. Just forget the, the word that I just quoted now. We do that often, right? So this is, the Israelites are really teaching us what we ought not to do with God. So here they gave a testimony that was really unbelief and see what Caleb did, did after. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. He had to tell them to be quiet because they were talking something that was contrary to what God had said at the beginning. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That was his only testimony. He said, let us go up immediately at once, for we are well able to overcome the land. And then look at what the, Israel, the other people who went with, with him did. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Why did God have to say it was a bad report? Because it didn't match what he said. Anything that is contrary to the word of God that we're speaking out of our mouths is a bad report. For the word of God always gives us a good report. Our faith gives us a good report. So we have to be in alignment with God. When God tells you something, you say, yes, Lord, amen. I'm so glad that they sang that this morning. I didn't even know. But it's so in line with what I'm teaching today. Yes, Lord, amen. I agree with you. Whatever you say, I agree with it. It doesn't matter what I saw. 
It doesn't matter how it looks like. It doesn't matter whether people are saying that it's too challenging, people have not survived it. It doesn't matter about that. What matters is what God has said, and that's what I'm going to speak out of my mouth. Because again, words carry power. Either you're speaking the words of God or you're speaking the words from the enemy. There are two sources. There's never one. Two sources, God or the enemy. Which camp are you in? So they said, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anna came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers. You see what they're doing here? They added extra jara to it. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. How did they know how they were in their sight? Were they looking from their eyes? We were like grasshoppers in our sight, so they made it seem, yes, in their sight, we too were grasshoppers. So in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 to 12, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They wanted to return from where God saved them from. Would it not be better that we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness? That's what they spoke out of their mouths. And you see that even after, if you looked at the trajectory of their lives, they actually did die in the wilderness because that's what they said. I also want to address, I know this is COVID season, right? COVID, everybody is like talking about COVID, COVID, COVID. Be careful about what you say. In this season, a lot of times when I hear conversations about COVID, it's like people are talking about how many people have died from it. Oh my goodness, this thing is so scary. Did you know that this, mama, this person died here and this person died here? And it's always negativity. Tell me about what God is doing. Don't tell me about who died here and who died there. To instill fear. That's instilling fear in people. Be the person that shares a good report. Be the person that says God is well able to heal. God is well able to take care of this. Stop talking like the rest of the world. If our testimony is looking like the rest of the world, what do we have to offer, really? We don't have anything to offer to them. No hope. But we are supposed to be the light that shines. Right? Jesus said, how can you be a light and you put it under a basket? How can he give light to the rest of the world? It can't. We ought to be the light that shines. When people look at us, they see God. They see the, there's hope. They see there's, there's a future. There's something different. 
Why is the church acting powerless? So now then Moses and Aaron, I don't know which verse it is. Yes, verse five, thank you. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to the, all the congregation and the children of, of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Wow. Praise the Lord. This is their testimony. Two people who went with the rest of them, had a good report, said what the Lord wanted them to say. Remember in the beginning, God gave them the instruction, and then he gave them the promise. It, the instruction was just for them to see the blessing that he was about to take them into. It wasn't for them to be like, okay, let's consider how can we get here? Oh, we're not strong enough. We're not strong enough. We're not this. We're not that. No. It wasn't them that gave themselves the instruction. It was God, right? So God who gave them the instruction will actually do what he has sent them to do. He will take care of taking over the land. But here, they took it into their own hands and they, they, they looked at themselves and they considered the issue and they said, no, 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 we can't do it. But can you imagine if they stopped looking at me, myself, and I? And then looked at God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the mighty warrior. If they looked at him, they would have had a different testimony. So in, let's continue. And all the congregation said to stone them. So Caleb and Joshua, you know, they said this is an exceedingly good land. But this is what the rest of the congregation said. Stone them. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long would they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. You see that? What God said after is that, really, all these things that they are saying, they just don't believe me. They don't trust me. See, your words are not just words. It's either believing God or walking in unbelief. It's, it's, two, it's always two things, two sides, two forces, right? It's not just one. There's no gray area. It's either you're walking with God or you're not. Either you believe God or you don't. So let's just not, you know, kind of brush things aside and just cover things up. No. 
So Moses pled with the, uh, the Lord that he shouldn't destroy the Israelites. This is what he said in, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 20 to 24. He said, then the, Lord, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to you. Or he told God, please, you know, we don't want the Egyptians to look at us and say, um, you know, that you're not God anymore, that you've left your people. That's what he said in the verses before that. So then the Lord responded to Moses and said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it but my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. You see that? So according to their testimony, God did to them what they said. They said, we might as well die in this wilderness. Why are you taking us here where we will be devoured by the people in the land of Canaan? But Caleb, who had a good testimony, and Jacob, both of them saw the land. They went into the land. They inherited that land, and so did their children. So your obedience is not just for you. It's also for generations to come. Also, likewise, your disobedience is not only for you. It's also for generations to come. So choose wisely what you say. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26 to 28, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with the evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. See, God made it personal. <laughs> he, he made it personal. They were saying all these things. They, they never said God. In, if you notice in everything that they said, they never said, God, why did you do this? They said, Moses and Aaron, why? Right? But God made it personal because they were talking to his servants. They were also talking to God. And he said, they have complained against me. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do unto you. So watch what you say because God is also listening. If you're saying this is, this is what I believe, it will be to you according to what you believe. Nobody can change it around. You are the one who's in charge of your life. As, well, what did God do? He, he called us, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? We are stewards, stewards of our lives. He put us in charge. So we can di dictate what happens in our lives. We can also tell Whatever situation it is, whatever it is, no, you can't, you can't perch here. You can't do this because God has put me in charge. Okay. 
James chapter 1, verse 19 to 26 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Don't just listen. We, uh, we listen all the time. We, we, we hear the word, but is it really going down? Are we actually doing what the word of God said? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. And the doing is not by your own effort, right? It's by the Holy Spirit who so powerfully works in you to do these things, but you have to be in agreement. So I told God recently that I wanted to grow spiritually. So I was listening <laughs> to Growing Spiritually, the, that series that I was talking about. And, and I was like, God, I just need you to help me. I just need you to help. Every time I was saying it, and God said to me, why do you keep asking me to help you? Why don't you just acknowledge that I'm helping you? <laughs> You're always asking, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. But just acknowledge that I'm actually helping you. I sent you the helper. He's there with you. Just acknowledge what I'm doing. Stop asking this or that. I have already given it. Just acknowledge it. And you will see that you start walking in those things that you desire. Because you acknowledge it. But don't just listen to God's words, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. You're like, oh, I'm so spiritual, but if somebody jabs you here, you know you, what, <laughs> what you will release out of your mouth. It's just like, people will be like, what, is, is that you? Sister this, brother this? Matthew 12, to 35. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruits. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. So whatever comes out of your mouth is really actually what you have stocked up inside your heart. It just doesn't come from out of space. It's coming from somewhere. You have put something inside which you're releasing outside. I, I read this devotional called Guide Your Mind, Guard Your Mouth, Grace Your Tongue. And I took out a little piece from that devotional. It says, don't allow your tongue to have a free-for-all lifestyle, but give it strict boundaries that are set by your mind which now thinks the thoughts of Christ and by your heart, 
which is extremely well guarded by the word of God. Your mind gives your mouth father from which to speak, and your heart is the motor that kickstarts your mouth. Set strict boundaries on your mouth. Don't talk just to fill up space. Don't, don't just say, let it be awkward. Let the room be awkward, it's okay. Don't just, let me just fill up the space with just something. No, don't do that. Don't open your mouth unless the Holy Spirit directs you to say something. We have to live the spirit life. And the spirit life is directed by the Holy Spirit. So we have to pay close attention. God, what, what, are you, what are you telling me to say in this situation? What are you asking me to do? That's how we grow spiritually. If we're just doing things just because we feel like it, there's no control. And it actually says in the word of God, the love of God constrains us. Right? We ought to just ask, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to say? Because that, that word that he has given you is the word that will make an impact. It's not the one that you have thought up on your own that you will say. We're all growing. I'm growing. Praise the Lord. It's also part of discipline, exercising self-control. I know the Lord is ministering to some of us today to allow him to train us in self-control. James 3 verse 2 says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. See, tongue, such a small thing, but has a great impact on your walk with God, on your life itself. So if we could just control this little bit, this little piece of our body, this tongue, we will be able to control ourselves. Every other thing that we have been asking God, God help me, we'll be able to control all of that. So I wanted to make this a little practical for us. I don't know if some people go through this where in your mind you had already gone through negative scenarios in your head, you know? And we often bring those negative scenarios into reality where in your mind, some, somebody did something to you, on, you know, in real life. And then you, in your mind, you're having a word battle with them. If they say this, I will respond with this. And if they do this, I will. I don't know how many people go through that in your, in your mind. It's like you already go through the scenario of what you res, how you respond to that person if they just say this. And all the while, you're just kind of like riling yourself up to be angry. And then the next time you see the person, the way that you treat them and the way that you respond to them is so negative. And the person is just wondering, what did I do? <laughs> right? And that response is coming out of assumptions that you've made in your head. The enemy was just feeding it, feeding it, giving you all these different scenarios. This is what they did. This is why they did it. This is this. And he was just feeding it. And then your response came from what the enemy had given you. And in you doing that, you actually caused this unity. Because of your assumptions, you've lent your tongue to the enemy. 
When we are mindful of what we say, we train ourselves for victory. Your words then carry weight in the spirit. When you command the enemy to take his hands off your life, off your property, he knows you mean business because you're careful with what you say. You're careful with what you let out of your mouth. This will probably be in some people's camp. <laughs> don't, don't talk, don't use your mouth to just finish everything. I don't know if anybody understands what I'm talking about. So let's say you're, you, know, you and your spouse are quarreling, right? And you just, oh man, they did this to me. I'm just going to let them know who I am today. They must know. I can't just be, you know, you can't just play with me like that. What is this? And you have to make it known that you are the boss, that you, you, you know how to fight for yourself. No. God said to us that he will fight our battles for us. Why don't you just take the insult? Just take whatever they have done. And just say, God, I just give you praise. Because I know you'll fight my battles for me. I don't need to say anything. I'll just keep quiet. Because you know that when you say something, you might say something that you will regret later. Or that your spouse will keep in their hearts for years and years. And it will still affect them and it will affect your relationship. It's not just your spouse, but also any relationship that you have. The people you have around you. You don't have to fight your battles for yourself. Allow God to fight, fight your battles for you. And when he does it, it will just be so beautiful. It will be one, the way that he just presents you and it's like, everybody's like, wow, Dana, Chike. <laughs> you know, God, it, it's, it will be amazing when God fights for you. And that's the testimony that you can present to people. They said, wow, they are always quiet, but it just seems like everything is just going their way. Why don't you just take the insult for the glory of God? And then some of us will even post on social media, see how God is just fighting my battles for me. After you've finished everything with your mouth. <laughs> see how God is just fighting my battles for me. Wow, child of God, no. Let's tell ourselves the truth. You're standing in opposition to God. When you do those things, you're spiritually immature, and you're not aware of eternal things. Put a gate on your mouth. The first thing we talked about is watch your mouth. Okay, because of my time, I'm gonna just skip. The second thing is be wise in your speech. Be wise in your speech. Uh, this is what Proverbs chapter 31 verse 26 says. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Although it's talking about a woman here, but it's also, it also applies to everybody. Open your mouth in wisdom. Allow the wisdom of God to dictate what you say. Proverbs 18.20 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. 
the right words bring satisfaction. So the words that you say can, can either bring disunity. You know, we have to be careful how we put our words. It's not just, I don't know what people here call it. it there's a way that you, you say things that you're aware of your surrounding, you're aware of the people around you, and you understand how it can impact them, right? You package your words very well before you deliver it. Proverbs 15, verse 1 to 2, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that true? The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. Proverbs 15, 1, it says, Respond gently when you are confronted, and you will diffuse the rage of another. This is TPT. You will diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest men? You will diffuse rage and anger with kind words. Speak to people softly. Don't talk harshly to them. Because whatever you say, again, it not only affects you, but it affects people around you and the generations to come. So as children of God, we ought to talk like God. God is our father, right? We ought to talk like him. The way God speaks to us, you see that relationship in the word where God is talking to you with love. He's addressing you in love. Have you ever come to your father and your father said, I don't want to talk to you? No, you just go. No. The way he addresses us is with so much love and kindness. Even when we were in direct opposition to him, he still sent his son to die. Can we imagine now if somebody did something to us, will you still die for them? It'll be difficult, right? It will be so difficult. But God did this. Even when we were rebelling against him, he died for us. That's how much love he has for us. And that's the way he still relates with us today. He talks with us, to, to us with such kindness and such love that we ought to do the same with other people. When we speak to people, we talk to them, wow, they, they're like, when they leave our presence, their hearts are so full of joy. It's like they have come in, in direct contact with God himself because they just spoke to you, a child of God. Let's remember our, our foundational scripture. It says, Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. This is TPT. It says, sharing words of wisdom is satisfying to your inner being. It encourages you to know that you've changed someone else's life. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. The last thing I want to talk about is be teachable. Be teachable. We talked about watch your mouth. 
The second thing is be wise in your speech. The last thing is be teachable. It's humility to take correction when you're wrong. It's humility to take correction when you're wrong. Some of us, we're so proud. We, we, we are not wrong. We're never wrong. Everything, we're just right. But it shows that you can walk with God, that you're in maturity when you're teachable. James 1.21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. God doesn't talk anyhow. The words he has put, it, um, put in the Bible are meant for us to grow, are meant to correct us, to show us the right path, and when we humbly take that word, then we are actually growing in this faith. It will be so beautiful when the world looks at us and they see Christ displayed. And they also see the power of Christ. Because when we are mature, we're going into a place of intimacy, a deeper intimacy than just surface knowledge. A long time we've, we've oper operated in this surface knowledge of God. But God is desiring an intimacy. Intimacy with him. When you fellowship with God, you come out of his presence. It's not that we ever leave his presence. But when, in that time of fellowship, he imparts knowledge on you. You're talking with your father. He's advising you. He's directing you. He's telling you things. And then when you come out, what people see is that presence of God. What people see is what God has imparted in you because that's what you release. You filled your mind, your heart with God's word. And that's essentially what comes out. So children of God, I'm telling us today, let's be careful about what we say. Let's be, it, it will clear up half of our problems if we're just careful about what we say. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you because I know we received something from you this morning. And I thank you, God, because you have taught us again. And you want us to go back to these things and revisit them and relearn them and allow you to open our eyes and give us revelation. So we will walk in maturity. So we will put a gate over our mouths that we will speak only the things which you direct. We will speak in power, empowered words given by your spirit. And thank you because this is a journey and that you're still, you're still taking us through and that you will help us even as we leave this place. Thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.